My name's Ron, Ultra Reader. Hi, Ron. I'm going to have to do something with my hands, so they'll probably go in my pockets, or like this, or like this, or, you know, there's no podium here like there is the or the uh, Serenity Sunday. But uh, anyway, I'm grateful to be absent today, and thank you, John, for asking me. We, we had a little uh, faux pas, that, but he called me yesterday and said, hey, you're speaking at the, uh, the meeting in uh, Beverly Hills tomorrow at 845. I'm like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> but I did when he told me. I said, oh, yeah, I didn't have it. I guess I changed phones or something, so my calendar didn't have it on it. But anyway, I'm here, and that's good. Um, you know, my story kind of starts with a little uh, different addiction. I, I started out when I was 14 um, using drugs, and I did that till I was like 25. And when I started to stop that, that's when I started to really see my food intake go up. Because basically, I, they'd say you put down the spoon and pick up the fork. And that's what I did. I mean, I gained 100 pounds in like six to eight months. And, uh, you know, I went straight because I had a choice. Um, the girl that I was living with said, you know, you either move out or stop using drugs. And I'm like, well, gosh, I've been using drugs all my life and doesn't everybody. And so I stopped using, but I found a new drug, and that was food. And, and I gained weight fast. And I was working on a construction company at the time, and we would be working on people's houses. And I'd be walking around looking in the window at myself going, God, I'm getting so big. I'm getting so big. i got to stop eating. i got to stop eating. And, you know, it never crossed my mind that if I ate less, I would lose weight. <laughs> Until I got to Overeaters Anonymous many years later, you know, because I struggled through this thing for a long time. And, and I gained and lost weight. I did uh, karate for two years straight, every waking moment except for work, trying to lose weight. And, you know, when I would come home, I'd eat a couple pizzas. And, and I would get various amounts of weight loss, but never to where I wanted to get to. Um, I, after I did karate, I went to the gym and started playing racquetball for every moment, waking moment. And I, I won, you know, there was quite a few times I was almost up to 300 pounds and I was playing racquetball and I'd end up rolling my ankles. And then, then I would, you know, after three hours of racquetball, I'd go play basketball for an hour. And then, you know, then I couldn't even walk because I'd roll my ankles so bad. And, and uh, after a while, I had to stop that. So I bought a stationary bike and had a stationary bike for probably five or six years. But in the meantime, I started doing speed again. And speed was my drug of choice always. And, and then I um, you know, went on for about a year with that. And it never, I never lost the weight, though. I just kept eating more because every time I would come down, I would put you know, three or four pieces. Because I didn't know how to eat. I, didn't, I, I don't think I ever ate correctly. I think I, think I responded because I was doing speed for so long. I would responded when I came down by just eating whatever I wanted as much as I could and then, you know, go back to it. <coughs> and when I started using again, my life started going downhill again. And at some point after a year, I got clean. And I started going to uh, another program called Narcotics Anonymous. And in that program, I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I did all this great stuff. And I ate every night, every night. I'd come home at, you know, at 11 o'clock at night. I'd be standing there with my arm on the um, pantry door going, you know, after I'd eaten and eaten and eaten and eaten and gone to a meeting and eaten and said, I can't eat anymore, I can't stand it, sponsor, help me. And he goes, well, work the steps on it. And I go, okay. And I worked the steps and I it didn't work because he's not a compulsory eater, so he couldn't really relate to what I was going through. And I didn't know that. But somebody in, the, in one of my meetings said, hey, why don't you try OA? And this was... Probably six, six, I think around six years clean. And I'd worked steps and I'd 
been, you know, a committed person in meetings, H and I doing all this great stuff, and then so I went and tried OA, and I went to about five meetings for that first year, and and I got all your good stuff, and I took it off on my own, and said it's gonna work, and it didn't work, and you know, and throughout that time on that stationary bike. I literally, you know, before I got to over your denoms, I lost 100 pounds. And I was golfing a lot, and my friends would go, God, what do you got, cancer? You know, jokingly, of course. And I would say, no, no, I'm just changing my life. And I was eating less. I was eating, you know, like a bar or something for breakfast and a couple of small meals for lunch and dinner. And But it was basically a diet. I didn't know what, you know, a uh, food plan or abstinence or anything like that was yet. But anyway, around six years, I found your program and I got some cool stuff but one of the things I got was a, a communique and after, you know, at one point after sharing in meetings and praying for God to remove the compulsive reading and everything I could possibly do to stop compulsive reading I took this communique because I guess I was ready at that point you know I finally started calling I went from the name you know the top name on the sponsor list and I, cause I knew in the other program my sponsor helped me a lot I mean the, the program works if you work it so I go okay I called this guy, I called this guy, I called this guy, I called this guy, and this one guy answered the phone. And uh, he goes, um, I go, man, I want to lose weight, and, you know, I need help. And he goes, okay, let's meet for dinner. And I'm like, no, I don't want to meet for dinner. I want to lose weight, you know. And he goes, just come on, and we'll go to a meeting afterwards. And and that meeting was somewhere up here in Beverly Hills, I believe, or, or somewhere in L.A., but it was with uh, my original sponsor and his sponsor, and then Roseanne was even there, and someone else that used to come to Serenity Sunday was there too, and I can't remember. But I didn't know who Roseanne was, and I couldn't care less. You know, I was like, it was all about me and how I wanted to lose weight and stuff. So it was, uh, it was. But anyway, that night he goes, "We'll we'll talk about what's going on with you after the meeting." And so on the way home, he. He asked me what what my story was, and I was you know telling him well I you know I told him everything I told you guys and and I just need to stop compulsive eating. And he goes well, um, why don't you make a list of dangerous foods? He said put four categories: dangerous foods, dangerous places, iffy foods, and iffy places. And the dangerous foods obviously are compulsive eating foods that I know I compulsive eat on. The dangerous places like a lot of us have. Like emotional situations attached to where we go. Mom's house, family dinners, Thanksgiving, whatever. So he said, put all those places down that cause you to compulsory overeat. And then iffy foods are, you know, iffy foods that you might compulsory overeat on and iffy places. So I did all that and he said, call me at a certain time in the morning. So I did the list. I called him the next morning. And he goes, well, you know, um, you might be a compulsive reader, and you know, sugar and flour could be a dr- is kind of like a drug for us compulsive readers sometimes. And you know, you're 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 probably a compulsive reader, so are you willing to go to any lengths? And I said, absolutely. And he he helped me set up a food plan from that point on. And he said, uh, you know, why don't you do oatmeal? And then there's a there's a restaurant that we've been going to for quite some time that has a two piece meal. And he said, do that two-piece meal and the two-piece meal for lunch and dinner. And I, I was already eating kashi cereal, and I said, is it okay if I eat kashi cereal? Because I've been eating that for like 16 years now, every morning almost. And um, so I want to put my leg up now. So. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so I was eating uh, kashi cereal, chicken, chicken. And uh, he, he called, said, okay, 
eat this today. Now, he didn't ask me what you want to eat. He said, let me help you set up a food plan. Because, you know, if I were left to what I wanted to eat, it wouldn't work. Because I can't figure it out. I tried for, uh, you know, seven years from the time I got, well, actually longer than that, probably 17 years. I didn't clean for a long time. But uh, I tried for a long time to get, you know, do my own food plan, and it didn't work. So when I came in here, I was totally willing to take uh, take uh, uh, suggestions. So anyway, so I started doing this, and he said, call me tomorrow at so-and-so time. So I called him, and I, I read him my food plan, and I go, I go, do you want me to tell you this every day because it's going to be the same? And he said, yeah. And so he said, also, get a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and start reading a minimum of five pages a day and then write a little paragraph on how it relates to your compulsive reading. And he said, start at the beginning of the book. So I would try to call him the next day and I said, hey, my food is this. And, and then, uh, you know, I, I uh, read and I, would, I read my paragraph. <clears throat> and then he goes, you know, what, uh, what I'd also like you to do is start making a couple outreach calls. And, I, and to a couple of compulsive readers every day. I want you to make a minimum of two outreach calls a day. And he said the reason for that is to get used to using the phone because, you know, the phone can be our lifeline to recovery. You know, if, we're, if we can't, because when we come in here, we're insecure, self-conscious. We don't think we're good enough. We, you know, everybody else, you guys are all too busy. You guys all have lives. I don't. I'm different. You know, you're, I'm completely different from you guys. I'm totally different. I have nothing like you. So when I get that phone halfway up, I'm already talking myself out of calling you. And by the time it gets up to here, I go, oh, no, you don't want to hear what I have to say. So, you know, that phone, that phone practice could make a difference between your recovery and your, and your relapse. Um, so it's, it's a really important part of my program is to make outreach calls. And I still do that 16 years later. Um, and I still recommend it to sponsors 16 years later, you know, because it's a, it's a huge part. And then he said, uh, so I called him the next day, and I gave him my food, I gave him my little paragraph, and I told him who I called, and he said, okay, what are your insane thoughts? And I'm like, I kind of was like, oh, that's absurd, you know, I'm not insane. And he, 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 I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, this is what I'm talking about. And he told me all the stuff he was going through. And at that time, um, I was still married. And uh, my ex-wife was bipolar and using drugs and alcohol. And I was clean. And it was a really, really nasty situation. And I, I go, oh, oh, those thoughts. Okay, so as long as I don't, you know, if I tell you, it's okay. As long as I don't act on them, right? So... Because there were some nasty thoughts. So, you know, they were probably insane thoughts at the time because I was going through hell. And, um, and I, w- I was able to get through that through staying absent and working with the sponsor. And anyway, so I called him the next day and did the same thing. And then after like 30 days, he goes, okay, you can start sponsoring. Because I, I had stayed absent for 30 days. I didn't compulsive read. I started, you know, I was losing weight. Um, I had gained, I lost 100 and gained back about 60 before I got on the program again. And then I started losing weight again. And, and I was amazed because I could eat three meals a day and lose weight. And that's, that's an amazing thing, you know. And I was do, still doing the stationary bike. I did the stationary bike for five or six years. And I went up and down 100 pounds. And I actually stopped working out for a while while I, was, while I was first absent because I was losing weight. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have to work out to lose weight. And uh, all you have to do is eat less. I mean, that was the secret to, to, to weight loss was eat less. <laughs> And if I knew that earlier, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have helped either because knowledge, knowledge doesn't help. You know, you have to have someone. I mean, at least I had to have someone to help me 
And uh, anyway, so he said you could start sponsoring. I'm like, what? 30 days sponsor? Because in the other program, you can't sponsor somebody in 30 days. And uh, he goes, yeah, well, you, you'll have somebody, something more than what the person walking in the door has. And I said, okay. So I started raising my hand and saying, I'm a sponsor. And nobody called. I'm like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> so I started raising my hand and saying, I'm a sponsor. And then pretty soon I had like 10 sponsees. And I'm like, oh, my God, sponsor, what do I do? And he goes, well, don't worry. God will work it out for you. And uh, sure enough, my higher power worked that out. And I ended up with like three or something. And, and some of them actually stayed abstinent. And uh, yeah, but I mean, the people that were willing to go to any lengths, you know, because at this point in my recovery, if I ask them that if they're willing to go to any lengths and they hum and haw a little bit, I'm like, you yeah, know, you might not be ready yet. So because it's a big deal, you know, letting somebody else tell you what to do, basically, eating what you're eating. You know, and people don't want to surrender that. First, sometimes you come in here with a diet mentality and you go, you know, I just need to, you know, he goes, they go, uh, do you sponsor like so-and-so? And I'm like, what does that mean? You know, because I'm completely out of that whole mode of, you know, hey, why don't you come in and tell me what you want to do and I'll do it. You know, let me help you that way. And, and But it still happens a lot. And so anyway, I started sponsoring people and some of them stayed absent and some of them didn't. And... And then I uh, started getting commitments and meetings, just like the other program that I worked. I became a treasurer and a secretary and so on and so forth. And the meeting that we were going to at the time, my sponsor, um, he was a very uh, gregarious guy. He was very outgoing. He had a lot of people following him and attracted to him. And, and he would share meetings and say, I know what I'm going to eat. June 31st, 1939, and, you know, because he ate the same thing all the time. And he was absent for quite a, quite a while, probably two or three years. But we started working steps, and we got through all the way to t- step 12, and we finished step 12. And through that time, I was gaining a few pounds, you know, here and there, because I was eating a few extra bites. Um, I would eat a little handful of peanuts with my meal. I would have a little chips with my meal, you know, have have this or that, and... I would say, sponsor, I'm gaining weight. And he goes, well, let me know if you gain 10 pounds. And so by the time he, um, he had uh, ended up relapsing after I finished the 12 steps, and that's why he was okay with me gaining weight. And because he was too. So I said, okay, i got to crack down here. And, and so I lost that weight, and I, I stayed probably 210 for 14 years. And I look great, 210, you know. And then, like, about two years ago, I was kind of still, you know, um, I felt good, I looked good, but I still was having extra bites, you know. And I stopped having these extra bites, and I suddenly lost 20 more pounds. So it, was, it wasn't overnight, it was a period, of, a long period of time, but I found that, you know, all these little extra bites of peanuts and extra bites of this and extra bites of that, my abstinence hasn't been, oh, you know, a, a kashi cereal chicken chicken the whole time. You know, I eat some, some different meals, but I found that when I'm not on my basic, my basic food plan is that kashi chicken chicken. But if I'm out at a restaurant, there's a possibility that I might have an extra bite. If I'm at anything other than my regular basic meal, there's a possibility of extra bite. I don't care how much absence I have, how much spirituality I have, and I work very hard on that. But it is very possible that I could have an extra bite. But I work very hard not to do that. And, you know, through, you know, the, one of the biggest things I've got here is a higher power. You know, a, a God in my life that is more powerful than food, more powerful than me, 
And I can turn to that higher power when it comes to those kind of things. And the way that I have to, that I can stay abstinent and not have those extra bites is by going to meetings regularly, working steps, calling my sponsor, having, you know, taking sponsee calls, reaching out to newcomers in meetings, um, you know, praying and meditating. I do that every morning for 10 minutes. You know, if right when I get up after I take a shower, I sit down on whatever, the couch or chair, and do a 10-minute meditation. And I, I was doing that for quite a while, trying to do that for quite a while early in my recovery. And my sponsor actually hired this transcendental meditation guy, and we all pitched in, and he taught us how to meditate. And it turns out you never have, your head is never quiet. I thought, you know, the reason I kept failing at meditation is because I thought you had to have a completely clear mind. Nothing was there, you know, you're just feeling space. And that never happened. There's always, you know, thoughts shooting in, so they gave us a word to just concentrate on, and and it would take back to the center. And I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. Since then, I've learned a lot more um, techniques on meditation, but that's a really good way of just listening, you know, listening for, I guess, higher powers answers is what they say and stuff like that. Because uh, I don't pray for specific things. I pray for God's will for me today. And, you know, when, I, when I'm resenting somebody, I pray for God's will for them today. And that still does happen, you know. The... the the things that I've got in recovery are amazing. I mean, my life is amazing. Um, I feel good. I look good. I, I, I started working out after a while just to, to you know, to, for, for physical health instead of losing weight. Because up till OA, I never in my life worked out for, you know, health. I worked out because I wanted to lose weight. And that was the whole reason. And since that time, my life, you know, I've, I've gone through relationships and they were, some were not good and some were good and, and I made a healthy decision on the last one to, to, you know, I spent about six months figuring out it wasn't the right person and I nicely uh, broke up and, and, uh, and then suddenly I said, I'm never going to have a relationship again and this woman came into my life and, wow, now I have a cool relationship and I'm the problem, she's not. <laughs> Because I still have little bouts of anger sometimes, and I like one day she, I had the, I, you know, it was a ridiculous scene. I don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but I started yelling at myself, you know, wrong. And she looks over at me and goes, "Cause we've been together already for over a year." And she looks at me and goes, "What was that?" I go, "Oh well, you know, some every once in a while, you know that recovery I do. You know, sometimes those character defects sneak up and they get out and." And they kind of pop out out of nowhere, and you know, because I work really hard to keep those, you know, and I know what they are, but sometimes they come out. So, so it was kind of interesting on that, but that's really good. And and then my daughter, you know, I, I was a single dad from 2005. My ex-wife ended up going off the deep end and in bipolar and drugs and all this stuff, and she chose to pick that over her kids. So I was single dad since my daughter was eight. Now she's 23, almost 23, and she's reasonably well adjusted, you know, because for having a, and she never saw me use or, but she certainly saw the results of my compulsive overeating, and she's a normie, you know, she's a, actually. Her uh, career is going to be a baking business, and she bakes, <laughs> she bakes cupcakes and cakes and all this crap. And, and I, you know, I always like her uh, Instagram things because she wants to be an Instagram influencer, and 
And uh, it's it's just funny because she can you know cook a whole bunch of them and then throw them away, and I'm like, you're, you're so weird. <laughs> so um, so you know this program has given me so much. When I when I worked through the twelve steps um, in this program, I'd already worked them a couple in the other program. And when I got here, it was like it was like the first time I'd ever worked the steps, but it was the best time because really I finally stopped using. I never stopped using. I stopped using speed, but I never stopped using because I just switched drugs and I didn't realize that. I mean, obviously it takes a little longer to, to kill you with food, you know, sometimes, but um, when I, you know, my life got better when I stopped that other stuff, but boy did it change a lot when I stopped this. And, and my abstinence is, you know, three moderate meals, no sugar, no flour, white. Um, my first sponsor relapsed. My second sponsor passed away and a lot of you guys know him and then I have a sponsor now and I've been calling them every single day I have my alarm set for 12 o'clock I call them every single day Monday through Sunday holidays no exceptions vacation no exceptions unless I you know if I'm on another continent or country and I can't you know make a call but I still figure out some way you know we always figure out some way to communicate because I am accountable to that person. I can't do this on my own. I don't care how much time I have. I don't care how much abstinence I have. I don't care how, how good I think I look. I can't do this on my own. And if I didn't do the things that I do to keep that spiritual cup full, um, I would relapse. There's no doubt in my mind I'm a compulsive reader. I have no reservations whatsoever. Um, it would be just a matter of time. I might last you know, two months, six months, two years, but I would relapse and I would end up 100 pounds heavier or more. You know, um, I, I know some people that have lost 300 pounds and, and kept it off. And their lives are so much better. And the same with me. I've lost about 100 pounds and kept it off, and my life is so much better. But I've gone through, like, different uh, evolutions in my recovery, you know. I know what I can and can't do. And sometimes I, you know, I have to call my sponsor and say, okay, well, I haven't told you this, but I've been eating, you know, peanuts with a handful of peanuts with my meals. And, and uh, I don't want to do that anymore. And that, you know, that, being honest, keeps my abstinence going, you know. I wish I could say, you know, and be the poster boy for OA for the rest of my life and say, I've stuck to that food plan exactly. I don't know anybody really who has, and I'm sure there are people, but it's really, really difficult, and I have to say that I'm a little imperfect on that. So, And 9.15 is when I stop? Okay. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, again, I can't be, uh, you know, more grateful on how great my life is today and, and I get to do this kind of thing, you know. And this is, this is the 12th step. This is carrying the message, you know, now that I've had a spiritual awakening. Uh, and, you know, mine was a spiritual awakening. It wasn't a spiritual experience because, you know, uh, Bill talks about a spiritual experience like a big light. Well, mine was a closer conscious contact with my higher power, so... Thank you for letting me share. This is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I shared with you today are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, man. I really got a lot out of it. I'm curious about that, like, one bite thing. You know, I struggle with one bite. It's a 
things. It's like the end of the world. Brother people fight to fight. So how do you keep the fight? Try to keep it, you know, not being the end of the world. Not making a mountain out of a out of a, a, a bite. You know what I mean? Do I, I repeat the question, right? Yeah. Okay, so how do I keep a, that extra handful of peanuts or bite from becoming a from turning into a relapse or compulsory reading? Um, <laughs> it's like been an evolution over the whole time, but you know I don't do it all the time, and I try not to do it all the time. But when I do have an extra bite, I tell my sponsor I had an extra bite. And, I mean, the biggest thing I can do is be uh, uh, transparent, you know. I could, the best thing I can do is tell my sponsor what I'm doing. Because if I, you know, I've done, early on I did that without telling my sponsor. And then it, I would gain, you know, because I weigh myself every 30 days. And I would see myself go up two pounds. And I would see myself go up three pounds. And I'd go, okay, this is not going well, so I know where I'm going. So I need to be honest with my sponsor and tell him what's going on. So I would just say the best thing I could do is be transparent and honest. And if your if you're, um, abstinence is set up in a way, because I, I have to find my abstinence, and at this point if, it's, if I gain like 10 to 15 pounds, you know, then I'm, I've relapsed. You know? and, but that doesn't happen. So, because I've had to put that on other people that I sponsor because they've gained 5, 10, and then, you know, and I said, well, do you think you've relapsed? No. Okay, they've gained 15 pounds. Well, okay, from now on we have to do something to, you know, because you have a defined food plan and you have to know that at some point this is a relapse, you know, because you can uh, one, one bite yourself up 500 pounds, so... So that I would say transparency and talk to your sponsor. You know, be honest. Yes. You talked about uh, your original sponsor having to list dangerous places and iffy places. What was his suggestion about how you would handle those? Uh, well, I didn't really have a whole lot of dangerous places, but you know, the the dangerous foods were. I mean, actually, uh, buffets in the beginning were dangerous places. And dangerous foods were all the compulsive reading, so that, I didn't repeat the question, sorry, but anyway, that helped, you know, setting up a food plan helped the dangerous foods, and then the dangerous places is don't go, you know, don't go. If, 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 your, if your mom's house is a uh, dangerous place, don't go. And then after so much time, you know, you get stronger and your spiritual cup gets fuller, so you're able to sometimes pull off those things later on. So yeah, hopefully that answers it. Uh, can you talk about what your exercise routine looks like today? Uh, what does my exercise routine look like today? Um, I do a, a about a 30 to 45 minute YouTube trainer. You know, I'll find somebody on YouTube that I work out with for like to, to get the cardio and the abs and then I'll do one body part like a like chest or tries or back or vise, something like that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thanks for your share. I was going to ask you about the men's committee and I, or your non-step in this program and um, specifically I do mention in your other program and so I'm wondering what your OA men's were like and how they might differ, you know, what you had left after you already worked with me. Um, what were my amends in Overeaters Anonymous? Um, 
basically all of them because when I did them in the other program I didn't really get the, the heart of it because I didn't realize I was still using so that was kind of something I could steer away from easy you know actually going to confront somebody and say this is what I did but in OA I, I was very thorough I went to different cities and talked to old bosses and told them what I was doing and why I was doing it and, and I went around to people that I owed money to and paid them money because all of that was an effect of, you know, the whole effect. So it didn't matter which, which drug I was using, it was all about, you know, how I made the amends. But I got really thorough in the program and got them all, got them all done. Thank you. Yes? Thank you, Rob. What is it that you do on a daily basis for your spiritual what is my spiritual or my habits for today that helps me stay abstinent and be spiritual and stuff? Your spiritual practice. Okay. Um, I uh, pray and meditate for 10 minutes in the morning. And then I believe that every time I do something for my OA program is, is part of my spiritual program. So, you know, I, I have a God that I call God and, and I uh, pray and meditate for 10 minutes in the morning and then I do uh, outreach calls, I take sponsee calls, um, I go to uh, regular meetings and stuff like that. But daily basis I read just, you know, just for today and I read a OA uh, book and uh, just all sorts of little things like that. So lots of good daily habits. So I've, I've picked up, I've found over the years that uh, I can learn stuff from other people, first of all. And uh, that I, if I take two or three or four or five minutes every day with these little daily habits, my life gets better and better. So, yeah. Uh, right okay, thanks. Um, could you talk a little bit more about higher power and how you um, develop that and, and your road toward the spiritual awakening? Um, my road towards the spiritual awakening, my higher power. Um, when I first got into the program, my sponsor on step two said, believe that I believe. Because I went to Methodist church when I was growing up, and so they called God, God. So I called God, God. We went to church camp. We went to, we sang uh, Jesus Loves Little Children and stuff like that. And I, I didn't really, you know, kind of have a concept of a higher power. But, the, you know, when I got in the program, my sponsor said, just believe that I believe. And then in step three, he said, just believe that I believe. Because, you know, if we, if we would have had to figure out a concept of God then... It would have taken quite a while to get through the steps, so it could have taken years. And uh, so I just did. And then he said, You're, "You will become. You will come to understand the higher power of your own understanding." So over the years, I've just, you know, I've learned to pray and meditate. I don't go to church, but the prayer and meditation and the reading of uh, uh, all the the AA and and OA stuff that I've done have given me a closer conscious contact with my higher power. Um, I've checked out, I actually went to a, a, a men's group for Bible stuff, and uh, I loved the camaraderie, but I didn't like the fact that um, I would go to hell if I didn't, or everyone would go to hell if they didn't believe exactly the way that, you know, so that was kind of, to, to be exact on my beliefs, is I couldn't go with that, so, because I've learned, a cho- you know, a higher power in this program is of your understanding. So I can't, you know, deny someone else their understanding of a higher power. So I believe that, you know, every person in this program can have a higher power. And, you know, the doorknob thing, I, I've heard that for years, you know, oh, you can make your doorknob a higher power. And I was always like, what the hell are you talking about? And then it turned out that that's the door to the meeting. You turn the door handle of the meeting, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. 
so anyway, but that's not my that's not my higher power. But that's you know that's kind of how I developed it, and then I just believe that I've got a closer conscious contact over the years um, because I've done all the you know continue to do the spiritual work of, and I believe my spiritual work is the program, all the tools and, and habits and stuff like that I've done in the program. Yeah. How do you sponsor? Do you sponsor like your sponsor? How do I sponsor? I sponsor exactly like my sponsor. Um, like uh, when they come in, um, I ask them if they're willing to go to any lengths, and they if they say yes without hesitation, then I'll say, call me tomorrow at so-and-so a time. And then if they call me tomorrow at so-and-so a time, I'll say, um, make a list of the four categories. So I do it exactly the same way. Yeah. I mean, it, that worked for me, and I, how can I take something else that I've never done and show someone how to do it, you know. Um, I can't, uh, I can't, I'm supposed to be giving experience, not hearsay, you know, when I give advice or, or stuff like that. And I, I've been trying to do that. You know, I think I've, you know, probably said hearsay every once in a while, but, you know, I'm trying to give uh, actual experience. So that's the same way. And, you know, we... Early, I think a really important thing is to define your absence. You know, you have to define your absence, or you're never going to know when you're in or out. You know, and 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 weight, the size that you are to me is very important. To uh, not not, it's it's hard to say. Like everybody says, it's, food is not the the thing, but food is the most important thing that we deal with when we get in here. We come in here to lose weight. I mean, there's no other reason to come to Overeaters Anonymous other than to lose weight. But then we get, we find out that it's not about losing weight. The weight is a result of your program, of working your program, and you get all these amazing side benefits. So, oh yeah. But anyway, just like I was, I was taught. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Another one. Um, being you sponsored exactly the way you were, do you also suggest or direct? your sponsees as to what their abstinence should be and what foods they should stay away from? Um, when I sponsor, do I suggest a food plan? Yes. I don't let them pick a food plan. So, there's been a few times where they said, well, I'm doing this, and I'll say, well, what's, what's a good food plan or what's an abstinent food plan for you? And they'll say, blah, 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 blah. And I go, okay, do that and don't change that. For today, and if they can, because my belief is you have to do that. I mean, choices are are my enemy. Choices are my enemy. So when I start somebody off, I try to limit their choices. I take away their choices. Basically, you don't have a choice. This is what you're going to eat. Even if you decide that this is a good food plan, and I agree with you, this is what you're going to eat, and you're going to do it three times a day, and that's it. And if you know, and then. A lot of times it works, and then if they have a food plan that they want to do, say sometimes we'll go, okay, go ahead, try your way, and see how it works, and then we'll, you know, we'll get on a food good food plan eventually because I don't think it's ever worked their way. So yeah. Hi, thanks for your share. Can you talk a little bit about step six and seven, your concept? And- uh, step six and seven. Um, Step, step six is, you know, kind of making a list of character defects, and step seven is kind of praying for God to remove them. And ultimately, step six taught me what my character defects were and helped me recognize them. And then, you know, praying for God to remove them, 
they miraculously didn't go away. But I was, I'm able to recognize them, and the more I work on those, the less they come up. So, because they they still flare up from time to time. But basically, uh, you know, I I was able to recognize the character defects and then ask God to remove them. And then from that point on, I'm working really hard to not act out on them because they're still there. They're still, you know, like they say, doing push-ups and all that stuff. But they are, you know, they're very far down. I mean, if I stop doing the spiritual things that I'm doing now, they'll come back up again. Because I don't think they ever completely go away, at least in my, in my experience so far, they have never gone completely away. Is that good? Okay, I think we're done, yes? Oh, I still have five minutes. Oh, cool. Any more questions? Come on. Thank you for your sharing. You mentioned that you pray and meditate every morning. I'm just wondering, what other daily things do you do? Do you still shout with calls? Do you Oh, yeah. Uh, what daily things do I do for my recovery, basically? Um, I make two, at least two outreach calls a day. I, I call my sponsor every day at around 12. The alarm goes off sometimes, and I don't pick it up exactly. You know, sometimes I look at it, I go, oh, I'm going to call. And then, and then it turns out to be, you know, every once in a while it's 6 o'clock at night or something, but usually it's right within that area. Um, so I pray and meditate. First thing in the morning, I read just for today which is a daily meditation book, kind of. Um, I do, uh, I read from, uh, well, that's a regular book. Um, I make, call my sponsor at 12. My sponsees call before 12. I have probably five or six sponsees. I, it's hard to keep track all the time now, but they, when they, you know, usually if I don't, like if I see them call and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, that guy hasn't called for a week, you know, then I know that they, they haven't been calling because I'll realize it, but, um, I, I'll take the sponsee calls and then I'll go to, uh, you know, I go to one OA meeting a week and three of the other meetings a week. And then um, when I go, when I speak somewhere, if I do speak, I'll, I'll use that. But I would say that's it probably. Yeah. But I got to keep, you know, if I don't keep those um, habits up, then I'm going to end up relapsing for sure, which I don't want to. I don't see any hands. Yes. Have you found the promises have come true for you? Absolutely. Yes. My uh, have the promises come true for me? Um, well, first of all, the, the the main one is you know I've I've been given the um, freedom from active addiction. I mean that's that's I think that was the main thing is you know here's here's what you get is freedom from active addiction, and uh, I have gotten that. You know I don't I don't have to wake up in the morning thinking about food and worrying about food and and you know, figuring out how I'm going to lose the weight that I gained last night and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, there's, I think all the promises have come true for me. I have an amazing life. How do you deal with your body image from what you were 300 pounds to now? How do I deal with your body image? How do I deal with my body image? Um, well, uh, I think the biggest thing that I did to help myself was, um, work, you know, exercise. And, you know, the, once I set the food plan off and I started losing the weight, now there's, um, you know, when I do push-ups, this skin, there's a lot of skin left over when you lose weight. And that's a lot of um, trauma for a lot of people. Now, I was only 300 pounds, so I don't have a ton. But when I do push-ups... 
the skin just hangs down. <laughs> and I actually did a videotape. I'm like, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I didn't notice it for a long time. There are certain parts of my body that have extra skin. And when I take my shirt off in the summer, I have all this extra skin around my belly that hangs over. But you know what? The best I can do is just... I have never actually physically said how how I deal with it, but I think I've just, you know, I've become such a positive person. And, you know, when I first got into recovery, if if I spoke and somebody was speaking over here or wasn't paying attention or something, that's the person I focused on. I focused on the negative. And over the years of recovery and working steps multiple times and the evolution of my recovery, I've completely changed over to the 50 people that are actually listening and I don't even notice the person over there anymore. And not that there's anybody that is not listening, but I don't notice that. I'm more positive now. So, I, And I've also, you know, because I learned that you could learn things in this program from other people, I started, I took on some mentors in my life, in my normal life, in my business life, in my personal life, in my married life, in my relationship life, all these areas I've been working on. And I found that by reading books, I can learn a lot, you know, and grow. So I've, lo- I've read a million books. Uh, I read about a book a month. I wish I could read more, but there's no time. But uh, I've learned, you know, I've found that uh, by reading all these great things, I can change a negative thought to a positive thought. It turns out you can't think of two things at once. I mean, I, I even tried it after I learned that. I'm like, wow. Because, you know, like the, the whole idea of making outreach calls is getting out of yourself. When you're listening to somebody else, you get out of yourself. So if I have a thought about, oh, my gosh, look at that flat on my belly, I can say, oh, my gosh, look at the great house that I live in. Look at where I live. I'm abstinent today. I can remind myself of all the great all the great uh, uh, um, things that I have and stuff. So not just things that I have. But I think the biggest thing I've had is, the, is just what you're talking about is, is uh, I'm happy inside. And they always said happiness came from, you know, the inside. And I would go, well, $10 million will make it much better. <laughs> and uh, it turns out ten, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It matters what you're, you know, how you've done, what work you've done to make yourself feel better. And, and I feel amazing, you know, mo- most of the time. I mean, there's always fear and doubt, you know. There's, there's, there's stuff that flares up that causes a few sleepless nights from time to time, but I am able to turn that stuff over to my higher power and stuff. So, yeah. But that is a big problem for this, the skin, you know. Because we lose all this weight and then we think everything's going to be great. But if you're over 100 pounds or 200 pounds or 300 pounds, um, you know, you might have to at some point, because it's such a problem, you might have to get it removed because it's causing you uh, physical problems. So um, anyway, hopefully that will answer the question.